You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with George Kinder, what I would consider the founding father, or at least one of the founders of the Human First Financial Guidance Movement. Hello, George. Hey there, Ross. How are you? I am great. It's truly an honor to have you on the show today and to be able to ask you questions and listen to what's going on out there. Some people may not know of you that well. How about you take the first 60 seconds and just introduce yourself? Um, I'm George Kinder. I've uh, I founded the movement called Life Planning. I wrote perhaps the first book on the psychology of money called The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. Um, Life Planning is now in 30 countries all over the world. Uh, we are all about freedom, about delivering freedom to our clients and delivering it in relatively short order. So we've we've actually shifted from a psychological frame to one that is really focused on the dreams that a client has and making them uh, and realizing them in short order. I now am, uh, I'm, uh, we have, we have programs all over the world, but I'm semi-retired. Uh, you can still find programs with me and I'd love to see it, but the, uh, um, I'm now living my life plan, uh, uh, living uh, part of the year in Hawaii, part of the year in London, part of the year in Massachusetts. And I have always uh, uh, wanted to aspire to, uh, being an artist, so I've written actually five books of poetry and photography, and and uh, I'm a mindfulness teacher, uh, and these are things that really fulfill me, as well as, of course, having more time for my family. Well, I love hearing parts of your journey. I've heard bits and pieces over time, and really is fascinating, and, and you do live it. You definitely live life planning, but you already alluded to that you had a shift, I guess, years ago from the psychology focus towards more life planning. How about to start, we go maybe back to the beginning of what had you really, what motivated you, what had you dive into the psychology or the human side of financial planning? Right. Well, I, uh, um, in, in a way, I mean, I, I, this started before that, Ross. It started when I was um, uh, coming out of college and I knew that I wanted to live a wildly creative life. I had a, a passionate uh, interior life as well. and. Um, you know, I used to say, you know, nobody would pay me. They say, you know, do what you love and money will come and money will follow, but nobody would pay me a dime for one of my poems or for or for a meditation. So I um, went back to graduate school in accounting, uh, won the bronze medal on the CPA exam in Massachusetts and, and uh, started doing tax returns part time so that I could live the life that I wanted to live the rest of the time. Uh, but I was good at it. And clients started flocking to my uh, to my routine, and I realized I wanted more freedom than what just doing tax returns three or four months out of the year could give me. And so I went back and got a CFP in order to have the skills to deliver financial freedom to myself. And as I was doing that, I noticed that clients who were coming in, uh, tax clients coming in, that they were feeling as blocked in terms of being able to live the life of their dreams as I was. And it made me think, gosh, I've got something to share with these folks. And it was so it wasn't about the psychology. I, I, I think because I, I had this um, interior focus, 
I attracted psychologists from all over the Cambridge and Boston area. And, and you can just imagine that was a huge number. We had about a thousand clients and 500 of them were therapists, I think. So I, I uh, used to take all their CEUs. I took all their, uh, you know, their group therapy things on the weekends, just so that I would understand who they were. And I'd be able to find the very best path forward for them. Um, so that was one of the things that that happened. But then realizing that my clients weren't living their dream of freedom uh, meant that I had something that I could offer them because I was focused on how I would deliver my own. And I just simply took that model and applied it to uh, the clients. And then and then at some point, I, a, a girlfriend of mine said, hey, you got to speak on a national level. And I went, whoa, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and so she pushed me into making a phone call. I think it was to the old ICFP before the FBA. They were giving a big conference in Washington. And and uh, so I got on, you know, a, a big panel and I started talking about this kind of freedom. And that really started, it started, ended up starting the Nasruddin movement. Uh, started the uh, movement of the psychology of money mo movement came out of that. All of those movements came out of it. Um, uh, but my the the other shift, the shift from psychology to life planning, was a really critical one because I'd written the book Seven Stages of Money Maturity, and it is it's rich with psychology because all my friends, all the people, all my clients were psychologists. Um, so it feels like a psychology of money book if you go back to it. But I meant it to be the skills that people would have so that they could deliver their clients into freedom. And what I found was instead of delivering their clients into freedom, they were going back in the past and they were putting their clients in psychological boxes and all these kind of things that therapists do. And I got I basically got ticked off and had a phone call to my staff after having a conversation with one of the life planners I trained. And my staff said, well, how do you do it? And I said, well, that's easy. And in five minutes, I outlined the process for life planning. And that's where really when life planning was born out of the psychology of money uh, movement. And it's a, as a, it's a movement that takes, it's a practice that takes much shorter period of time and is really aimed at the freedom of the client that's sitting with you in front of you. Fascinating story. Everything seems to be an evolution in the business world in life as well, especially when you're going down a path that it didn't seem like there was much of that, if any at all. So you would expect it to evolve and transform and do you have insight? So how about we just fast forward to 2023 and here we are today, life planning, there is an actual process. Can you walk us through what that is? Yeah, it's it's really cool because it is just from the very beginning. It's focused on uh, it's focused on the person's the client's freedom. But one of the things that's interesting in it, uh, Ross, I mean, it it has an acronym. It's a, there are five letters: uh, E V O K E, and it means exploration, vision, obstacles, knowledge, and execution. Knowledge and execution are what we do in financial planning already. So no need to address them. But what's interesting is that um, what we took from psychology was the incredible listening skills that a great therapist or a great psychologist will have. So that the client is set at ease very, very quickly. Carl Rogers was one of the major figures in this. Um, uh, Erickson was a great figure in this. Um, we were we were interested, how do we, in fact, 
deliver trust from the very beginning so that the client, instead of going, well, I want, yeah, I want my 401k taken care of and I need to uh, I'll adjust my portfolio. And I, I don't know beans about taxes. All right. So that's what they say. But we know, you and I know that what they really want is freedom. What they want is a life that is rich and they want their money to deliver that. And the reason they focus on telling us about money is because that's what all the newspapers talk about, saying that that's what you should know. You go to a financial planner to find out about how to structure a portfolio. Nonsense. You go to a financial planner so you can figure out how to live the life of your dreams. And so what we learned was to listen so uh, quietly, so profoundly, so meaningfully to a client that um, within a, a short order, uh, it, meaning within that first meeting, which could be just 10 minutes, could be an hour and a half to two hours, but within that first meeting, they were revealing everything about themselves, including things that they would only have revealed to a therapist or may not even have shared with their spouse or their best friend. And But what it's all in the service. What we do, rather than going back into the past with things that trouble, they might go back into the past, but what we do is empathize. That's, that's the other piece from psychology that we bring in. We just shower empathy upon them. But we don't ask questions. We don't go, oh, well, how did that happen? Let's figure that out and let's go back. No, we just empathize. And what happens is the client goes through something that Joseph Campbell called the hero's journey, where they go into their darkness. and be But because you are empathizing, they feel profound support there. And they move from that just naturally into their light, into, into aspirations. So we end up with an aspirational model where they move through the darkness into the light. And that's, the, so that first meeting, often the, the client at the end of the meeting will say, gosh, that was the best conversation I've ever had. And, and you know, I'm sitting there with a smile on my face because I know I hardly talked at all, right? <laughs> Second meeting is is vision, and that's the aspiration meeting. And there, the client has begun to share those aspirations with us. But now we give them exercises. Some of them I'm famous for, and you can you know Google and you'll find them pretty quickly. Um, but uh, we give them exercises that are aspirational and exciting, and and deep. And um, and in that meeting, we go from the superficial aspirations of what money can buy to the more deep aspirations of legacy of if you if you were to pass away tomorrow what did you miss now we don't ask that question right away it's a little too personal but we get there and uh, what do you, what did you miss who did you not get to be you know what what did you not get to do and it's in the answer to that question that the life plan is born because it is a question so profound for people it's a legacy question and it can bring up, it usually brings up family. But for years, I, I didn't have a family. I was an old fellow before I got a family. So I, for years, my, my aspiration, as you know, was more in the artist realm or more in the spiritual realm. So that's where mine was. But most people, family is huge. Environment, living in the place you want to live, you know, is huge. Creativity is huge. Spirit is huge. And so we get down to what would deliver to the client an incredibly rich life without busting the bank. And that's amazing. The client is just astonished. And we we deliver to them at the end of that meeting something called a torch, which is really just a, a vision. Uh, it's like a live action video of what they, where they're going to be in three months, six months, a year and a half, something like that. 
and they're on fire from that. And what, what it means is that we don't do any work. The, the client goes home, and two weeks later, they come back, and we're, we're ready to deliver them into that dream. But they've already done a huge amount of work because they're so excited about it. And uh, and so third meeting is called the obstacles meeting. We take care of all the obstacles and then we get to the financial plan. So it's it's uh, it's just incredibly rich, Ross. Really, really amazing. I've heard enough stories from life planners on going through the process and the life-changing impact that it has on their clients. And just to be part of a, a meeting where you have so much depth and what they do is so profound. I mean, it's an honor really to be able to sit in something like that and to be able to listen and, and also just watching how people really clarify and think through things that they may not have been asked those questions before, which, which I know we've learned. I'm wondering what type of impact does this have on the advisor? Because there's no way you walk out of those meetings not changed yourself. No, that's right. And and uh, well, I, I would address this in three ways. So the first is it's it's fantastic uh, financially because you're uh, if you really do this uh, broadly with your your whole firm with your uh, with your staff and everything, you have a um, a community that really believes in this and. Um, and uh, the financial reward is that your clients never leave. So it doesn't matter what happens. The market might crash in, in some terrible way, but the, the conversations that you have, as you're alluding to, the conversations that you have are so meaningful for the client, uh, and you already have proved yourself as a financial advisor that they don't question what you are as a financial advisor. They're no longer weighing that scale that the journal, the Wall Street Journal might toss out at them or, or one of their money magazine might toss out at them. They're looking at, am I actually being delivered into my life plan? And I think the other thing is that, so it is, it's incredibly rich. You feel fulfilled every day at the end of the day. You feel like you've done an amazing service for somebody that's touched their heart, that's touched their family, that's touched their community, that's touched their spirit. And the other thing is that you, you know, in our, in our trainings, we make sure that right off the bat, you're the main training. You, you don't just practice life planning. You are life planned in that meeting, in that five, it's a four or five day training. And so you are life planned and you are life planning someone else at the same time. So you leave that training on fire the same way your clients leave their meetings. And so, you know, you know you're already on fire with your own that you live your life plan and now you're delivering that uh, to the world uh, and in a community of, of 30 countries. It's, it's quite, it's quite something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can tell you that at shift in 2023, there were a couple of people that had just come from the training. Uh -huh. I can also tell you that what you described is exactly how they were. They were buzzing, George. It was without a doubt transformational training for them. Yeah, and no, no question. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, one of the one of the. I mean, I'm I'm now 75 years old, but I tell you, I look back and that's that's one of the best things I've done in my life is make that training happen in five minutes with my staff <laughs> coming out of the psychology movement. Um, yeah, that's yeah. great. In true quick start form, five minutes, we're changing everything, people. <laughs> that's great. So let, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about meditation, mindfulness, how, how you approach things from a mindset standpoint, and then how that connects and influences life planning. 
Great. You know, you know, when I, I from the very beginning, when I started giving workshops, the first workshop I give we, is still part of our program. It's the two day seven stages of money maturity workshop. And from the very beginning, I interwove um, mindfulness uh, practices into the workshop. That wasn't a huge thing. It's greater in the longer trainings. But the um, uh, and I knew that there was a deep reason for it. But you know, it's been 25 years since I created that training. So I've learned a lot. And one of the things that I've learned is that, um, I mean, people wonder, you know, mindfulness, they think it's lowering stress. They think it's helping your focus. It's all of those things. It makes you smarter. You can actually look at your SAT scores will go up for you. I tell my kids. So the, um, um, but the, the, what it is actually is that it's a process of listening and of learning to listen. And, you know, when you're listening to a client, you try to knock out in your brain, get rid of all the stories in your brain so you can really be there for the client. And that's what um, mindfulness teaches you how to do, because you're constantly letting go of your thoughts and coming back to an object to focus. So that that's an extraordinary thing. It is also about, and, and the stories about this are are true throughout every spiritual tradition. Every single tradition has a contemplative practice of some kind, and they all are described in remarkable terms of freedom. So it has that layer as well. The, the peace that you get is, is not merely reducing stress. You can have extraordinary experiences. And the third thing, similarly to listening, I mean, what we want is advisors who are great listeners. And the third thing that it does is that it brings emotional intelligence to you. And the way that it does that is that how do you get back to the moment of uh, paying attention to the breath, which is what we do in our mindfulness practice? How do you get back to that moment when suddenly you've, you, you realize that you're hungry and you're fantasizing about pizza or a steak or a, a vegan meal or, you know, whatever you, whatever your fantasy is. And, and, uh, and so that there's desire or you're suddenly, you, you remember an email that somebody sent that was a little bit, nasty and you you're kind of on edge about it so in in mindfulness what we do is we learn to come to peace around those things we let them go and we come back to the present moment and there's a practice of recognizing how we are caught by our emotional structures and so mindfulness brings those structures to peace so emotional intelligence great listening and then if you're serious about it profound experiences of freedom which is what I want to know anyway, if I'm going to help clients get their own experience of freedom, I want to know what it's like inside me. So there, I, I hope that's helpful. <laughs> it is. It all ties in together. Just trying to be present is a challenge if you grow up as an advisor where you're listening for cues for a problem that I can solve or a question that I can answer. Because if you're a classically trained advisor, I'm not sure what that totally means, but specifically, we know we're problem solvers. We have services, we have products. That That's the financial services industry. So you're naturally going to be thinking that way instead of just listening and trying to be present. So I know I've had to work on it over the years and, and try not to think like answer man. And, oh, I know what you're asking. Half the time, I'm probably wrong. So let me answer the question for you because I know where you're going with that, which then I find out, no, you actually weren't. So it's much better, of course, to be present. Well, one of the big changes we've had recently is the CFP board has now added financial psychology to the curriculum. It's about 8% of the exam. Uh, the new round of people that are taking the exam and passing, they're now coming out with 
at least part of a foundation in financial psychology. What do you think that's going to do to our industry as a whole? Will it be that impactful? I, I think it'll be very helpful in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's interesting that they're coming. They come out with it 25 years after I wrote the Seven Stages of Money Maturity, and more than 20 years after NAPFA did the same thing with their community. So the the CFP board is traditionally behind and kind of a conservative organization. But this is a um, you know when you look at the broad base, you know the brokerage field and all this, it's it's a great thing uh, to have these kind of skills to be aware of them. But the um, the uh, so the, I think that it will bring much more uh, awareness and curiosity to all of the things you're doing, Ross, all of the the, uh, the different uh, ways that people are engaging around the human side of money. And um, uh, and so that's all really, really good. I, I'm, you know, psychology, the way we do it was in, invented, you know, 150 years ago by, you know, two centuries ago by Sigmund Freud. And, 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 and as I say, they're a little behind, even behind the curve with what, what's going on now. So there's, um, you know, the looking back in the past, I don't think is particularly helpful. And because I think you can, most people are what we call healthy neurotics. <laughs> and that neurosis is primarily because they're not living their dream of freedom. And they're not living a profound life, and yet they know they want to. And uh, and so if you can identify that, you can identify that by looking forward. You can deal with the stuff that happened in the past that was challenging by just a real authenticity to your empathy. And those are great psychological skills. They're not learned in a textbook. They're learned by going to a workshop, learning the listening skills, observing how a counselor listens, observing how they deliver empathy. But that said, it's bringing more attention to the human side of money. And even these ways that it won't be helpful in terms of classical psychology versus what we now know works, which is life planning, um, that dissonance will become more and more evident. So I think people will be seeking out the kinds of things that you articulate in your programs and that we we deliver in our trainings. I think it's great. And and I'm also happy now that I can label myself as a high functioning neurotic. <laughs> that that is go. a thing. And I will point to you. And my wife says, that sounds right. But what? I'm like <laughs> so George said, and, and I think he's accurate on that. So let, let's finish up with the RLP designation. It, it, just to, to, again, repeat, I I had two people that had just come from the training. It, they were so happy. They were they were just walking on clouds. They loved it. They were sharing it with me. It's kind of what prompted me following up uh, to connect with everybody there at Kinder. So how about you talk about the RLP designation? How can people learn it? What are the programs like? Great. There's three There's three programs uh, that, that add together, three different trainings that you take to become a, a registered life planner. And then we have an ongoing CEU thing that's really pretty simple, but keeps <laughs> lets us know that you're really doing it. You're really practicing it and you're learning and growing from it. But the um, uh, the program that I recommend that people start with is the, the, the four or five day training in EVOKE. The, again, the acronym we mentioned earlier. And the reason is just what I described earlier that you enter it and you immediately are entering a process where you, where you, you, you choose a partner and that partner life plans you and you life plan them. And you do it in front of a group of 10, 12, 14 people. I mean, it's a small group of people. And uh, so it's very personal, very intimate. And you have, usually there's two to 
five trainers in that group. So we have a lot of, you know, powerful, empathic people who've practiced this um, in that four or five day training engaging with you. So it's a it's a it's a just a wonderful training. And you you leave it inspired with what you can do with your business, but you also leave it realizing that there were things that you had left unfinished in your life. And and you know now within a few months they're going to be accomplished. So that's amazing. So it's a four day, four to five day training. We've got them on Zoom. We've got them uh, live and in person. They're both great, great trainings on Zoom. I mean, here you and I are, Ross. We haven't met before, but we're eyeball to eyeball across how many miles, you know? And it's and, and Zoom has 12 people. And you can see the the teacher as well as the person who's going through the uh, the engagement in that particular time. Second training is the one that goes back 25 years to the beginning of uh and, and to my first book, Seven Stages of Money Maturity. And it trains people in listening skills and in some of the aspirational exercises. It's a great two-day training. Um, but I recommend starting with a four or five-day because then you're diving in and you can immediately bring the stuff to your business. And then it closes with a six-month mentorship program. And that's cool because you're continuing on with the community you've built, usually in the four or five day program. So it's the same group of people. So you've got an ongoing kind of business community, advisory community. Uh, and you work with um, at least a couple of, of mentors during that time. And again, it's only 10, 12, 14 people in the in the group. So um, so that's that's pretty much it, I think. I don't know if you've got any other questions about it, but it's a lot of fun and it's deep and it's exciting and it's life-changing. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you've done, everybody at Kinder. We, we appreciate what they're doing for the profession and for people who really like the idea of life planning, if that really resonates. Uh, again, I've talked to people and they just rave about it. So I hope they connect with you and, and find you. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Look forward to connecting with you and hope we can do it again. My pleasure, Ross. Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.